Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. It is so good to be with you. Thanks for being here. Wherever you're at, we're glad you're here. I'm Jim, and I'm serving as our host today for this experience. If you're a guest with us, special thanks. Thanks for being here. We have a gift for you. We'll send a Starbucks digital gift card out to you right away. Check in with us. Thanks for doing that. Today, we're wrapping up our sermon series. It's a three-week series that's called Philemon. And this is a fascinating exploration of the scripture. Philemon is both a person, an early follower of Jesus, but also a really small book of the Bible with a huge impact because this is a story of life together and a faith community. So this is our story too. Pastor Spencer is going to lead us through the scripture and we're really looking forward to it today. Also, if you'd like to go deeper into the messages, go to a link that we have for you. It's Schweitzer church slash next and we have sermon discussion questions and more you'll enjoy it so thanks for doing that and now let's hear from stephanie who's going to tell us more about what's going on here at schweitzer hi i'm stephanie there is so much going on at schweitzer and there are a couple of ways that you can keep in the know about what's going on the first is by signing up for our e-newsletter on our home webpage at schweitzer.church we send out an email every week with upcoming happenings and news about the church the second is by downloading the church center app on your mobile device once you download the app you'll look for schweitzer church and join that group Once there, you can use the app to sign up for groups and classes online, send in your offering, and find out all kinds of information about what's going on at Schweitzer. One of the upcoming studies that you can find online or on the app is our Advent study called Awaiting His Birth. This is a five-week study that will begin the first week of Advent, which is Sunday, November 28th. It'll be an engaging study that follows the story of six different women. It's here on campus, and we're excited for you to sign up for this study and be a part of diving in deeper during the Advent season. Also coming up in a few weeks is our second season Christmas lunch on Thursday, December 2nd at 1130. We'll have a special Christmas meal, a gift exchange, and guest speakers from both Flourish and The Kitchen. You can sign up on our homepage at schweitzer.church second season. Last but not least, we are so excited this Christmas season to be partnering with Flourish to provide toys for kids at our neighborhood Pittman Elementary School. You can help out with this by grabbing a star on the windows at the back of the sanctuary, purchasing a gift, and then bringing your unwrapped gift back and dropping it in one of the bins by December 5th. You can also purchase a toy online and have it sent to Schweitzer. All of these toys will be available then for parents of Pittman Elementary kids to shop for their own children for Christmas at our Holiday Toy Store on Tuesday, December 14th. If you'd like to be a holiday helper and help out at this event, we would love to have you. There are lots of opportunities to do so. You can find out more or find an online shopping list on our website at schweitzer.church slash next. We are so excited that you're here to worship with us this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie, for keeping us connected and up to date here at Schweitzer. If you're worshiping with us live, we invite you to engage. There's a chat feature on your screen. Say hi to your friends. Give us your insights. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, we have uh, people 
available to pray with you. And now this is the day the Lord has given us. Let's worship, let's celebrate. Uh, It's a great day uh, to worship together. With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then north and south and east and west We'd hear Christ be magnified And were the whole earth echoing his eminence his name would burst from sea and sky, from rivers to the mountain tops. We'd hear Christ be magnified. And oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me, and oh, Christ be magnified in the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. When every creature finds its inmost melody, Every human heart is made of Christ. In wonder, should hear the praise. We hear Christ be magnified. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let His praise arise. Christ be magnified. Puts me in the fire. I rejoice because you're there too. And I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just the doorway into resurrection life. If I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, oh, my heart will still be 
As we come to this time of prayer together, we thank God for the gift of prayer and relationship. And this week in our time together, we're going to reflect on the scripture that we'll hear shortly that speaks to us giving ourselves away, looking to the interests of others and being humble people that serve uh, with God in our everyday lives. And so today I will read uh, a prayer. I invite you to lean in, really hear these words, and then we'll be followed by silence. And again, let's think about and let's listen to what God might have for us on how we can serve others in humility and whatever that might be for you in your neighborhood, a school, uh, your church family, who and how might we look to the interests of others and then we'll continue in prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Let's, uh, let's hear this prayer and then we'll go into some silence. Let us remember Jesus who believed in people and never despaired of them who through all disappointment never lost heart, who disregarded his own comfort and convenience and thought first of others' needs, and though he suffered long, was always kind, who, when he was reviled, uttered no harsh word in return, and when he suffered, did not threaten retaliation, who humbled, humbled himself and carried obedience to the point of death, even death on the cross where God has highly exalted him. O Christ, our only Savior, so come to dwell in us that we may live with the light of your hope in our eyes and with your faith and love in our hearts. Let's continue in prayer silently. Thank you, Lord, for planting a spirit of humility in us that we may serve with your heart and mind as we look to the interests of others. We love you. We praise you. And now, Lord, we pray the prayer that you taught us long ago. And again, we pray with humility and with confidence in saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering together, we thank God for God's generosity and providence. That is God's caring over our lives and God giving and giving and giving. And we respond with faith and trust and obedience through the giving of our tithes and offering and gifts. And we thank you so much for your gifts, your generosity. It really matters to support the ministries here at Schweitzer. Some that are out front, uh, big ministries, if you will, and then others that are more subtle and kind of behind the scenes. And today we want to tell you about a ministry called Discipleship Mentoring. We have Brian and David with us. There are a couple of guys that have journeyed together for a few years now as they have uh, journeyed both in everyday life, but also through the lens of faith, the journey of faith. So they're going to tell us more. Let's watch. I'm David Freeman. And I'm Brian Standage. So Brian and I first started into a mentorship relationship. I mean, we'd known each other for quite a while and just struck up a conversation about his desire to uh, do something more. I, I mean, am I saying that right? That's, that's, that's about that's, right. Sure. <laughs> and we just talked about it and decided the next step would be to read through the Bible together. It was really, I was at a point in my walk where I felt like I needed something different. Um, I'd always explain, I felt like I was in a white room with nothing around me. It was just nothingness, no, not anything pushing me forward, nothing pushing me back, or, but I just didn't have a direction at that point. You know, I think when friends meet, they take turns talking or maybe interrupt each other quite a bit. The discipleship mentors at Schweitzer are trained to listen and ask questions. If two discipleship mentors were meeting, they would take turns being the mentor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's that needed direction in my life. It's, the, um, it's those answers that I can't get myself within my walk. I've got that person who can give me those answers or help me find those answers. Um, we talk about the peace. We, we both can talk to each other about how did you do this week at being aware of the Lord's presence and that actually impacting your interactions with the circumstances and the people around you. And that, that peace that passes understanding, we, we can tell each other stories about it and prove that it is growing because we're meeting together. And that... I don't know about you, that is what keeps me coming back. I, I just want to be the peaceful presence in the room who brings effective functioning uh, for myself and for other people. And what we are doing does that. You can go to the discipleship page on the website and there's a form there you can complete and somebody will get in touch with you to help you just make the connections that you want. Thanks so much, David and Brian, for sharing your journey of faith with us. We really appreciate it. Also, we can continue to give today and throughout the year by going to schweitzer.church give. Your, your generosity, it really, really matters. 
we appreciate you. Over the last year, we've been in the process of refreshing our logo and brand, and we've been asking the question, what does Schweitzer mean to you? What do you think of when you think of Schweitzer? And so we have a video, and we showed it last week. In case you missed it, here it is. Uh, let's watch. What does it mean to be part of a church? Is it about finding friends, attending worship, learning the Bible, caring for our community? Yes, it's a mix of all of these. What does it mean to be part of Schweitzer Church? From the very beginning, Schweitzer has been a church committed to loving Christ and caring for our community. Over the years, we've added new programs, spaces for ministry, expanded outreach opportunities, and continued our mission of transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. To put it simply, Schweitzer is a church that is Christ-centered and community-focused. And we're so glad you're here. Well, friends, welcome today. I'm so glad you're here with us. My name is Spencer, and uh, today is part three of our series where we're having three weeks where we're just talking simply about us. We're talking about our church family. What is it that we're aiming for together? What does our life together look like? Uh, so next week, we're gonna start a new series uh, for Advent. We're calling it Tidings of Joy, which of course is what the angels say to the shepherds when Jesus is born, that they bring tidings of great joy for all people. And so um, as we go through the series, we're gonna look at different scenes of people just interacting with Jesus. Like what happens when people come across Jesus and the work that he does in their life? And on the other side of experiencing him, there's always joy. And so for uh, through Advent, uh, I just encourage you to invite people with you. This would be a great series to invite people to as we're going to just be pointing people uh, to Jesus as we walk through Advent all the way through Christmas Eve. So today we're going to wrap up this series, week three, as we're reading through the book of Philemon. So we're being guided in this conversation about us through this little book in the back of the Bible, this little letter called Philemon. And uh, I just, I love this letter because it is such a compelling picture for why the church matters. Now, of course, in Philemon, there's problems because I don't know if you know this or not, but every church has problems. But um, we, we, on the other side of these problems is this just incredible picture of, of redemption. And so we're going to start here at the very beginning. We're going to read Philemon, the whole book today, which is not very long. It's only 25 verses, but we really are accomplishing something. We're going to read a whole book of the Bible, even though it's just one page. So we're going to read through this and walk through it uh, from what we've been on the last few weeks. And then we're going to wrap this up with the final uh, words that Paul has in this letter. So here's how it starts. Philemon, verse 1. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. So Paul's writing this from prison to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and also to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. So Philemon is hosting the church uh, in Colossae, uh, the Colossian church that meets in his home. So that's what that means. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. And I pray, verse six this is so important, I pray that your partnership, the Greek word there is koinonia, that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding 
of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. So notice this, our fellowship together, our, our relationships together is because we share Christ. In our church, we say it like this, that we are Christ-centered, that he's at the middle of everything, that our message is about him, we point people to him, that our church exists because of him. Everything is about Jesus. And this is why our fellowship, this is why our church matters, this is why we do what we do is because of Christ. Uh, keep going here, verse seven. It says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. That's what we read in week one. Here's what we read in week two. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become both useful both to you and to me. So you can see the problem that's developing here in Philemon. And, and the backstory is just really simply this. Philemon, this wealthy Roman citizen, he is also a slaveholder. And uh, his slave Onesimus has run away. And uh, Paul is trying to reconcile these two, these two together, which of course, the fact that Philemon, this leader in the church, is also a slaveholder raises all kinds of questions, doesn't it? Oh my goodness, there's so much that we could talk about there. In fact, we spent a whole lot of time last week talking about that very thing. How do you, as modern people, read things like slavery in the Bible? And so we're not going to get into that today again, but if you want to go back and catch up from last week, we went into that pretty good detail um, last week. But I want you to see here, what's Paul's solution to this broken relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. So let's keep reading here. Here's what we read. Verse 12. Paul says, I am sending him, Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you. And I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Listen to the verse 16. This is so important. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So what's Paul's solution here to this broken relationship between Philemon and Onesimus? is that they would have reconciliation, forgiveness, for the sake of unity. That's how we talked about it last week, that Paul's solution here to this broken relationship is forgiveness and reconciliation for the sake of unity. As we talked about last week, um, unity is always a choice. For Philemon and Onesimus, it meant that there had to be forgiveness, but, but even in our church, as we talk about us, unity is, is always a choice. Sometimes it means forgiveness and reconciliation. Sometimes it means that we have to watch how we speak and we need to use our words to build others up and to build community up instead of tear things down. Sometimes it means that we need to, to submit to what God has. Sometimes it means that we need to serve one another. It needs, means that we need to fulfill our membership vows of prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness to, to put other people in front of ourselves because anytime we put ourselves first, we're never gonna have unity. So unity is always a choice. It's not something that just happens. It's something that we have to live into and work for because uh, unity is something we have to grow into. And so now as we wrap up this book, um, we're gonna turn to the last section here. And this is really why I wanted to preach this series is because this last section is so incredibly compelling. Oh my goodness, it is beautiful. And what Paul says here is what he is personally going to do in order to bring this forgiveness and reconciliation for the sake of unity. And he's gonna put himself on the line here. It's just incredible. So here's what we read next, verse 17. 
He says, so if you consider me a partner, again, Greek word koinonia, welcome him as you would welcome me. Oh my goodness. Welcome the person you're angry with, just like you would welcome me, the person you would honor. Think about that the next time you have a rift with someone. Welcome them as someone that you would honor. We keep reading here. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. I will pay it back. One more time. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do not wish, brother, that I, that I may have some benefit. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers because remember, he's in prison right now. Verse 23, Epaphras, or my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. And then verse 25, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And that is the whole book of the Bible. We just went through it. We accomplished a whole lot today. But I want you to notice this pattern. What is Paul's solution to the problems between Philemon and Onesimus? He says it like this. He says, I will pay it back. I will do it. Charge it to me. I will cover what he owes. I will do this. I will pay it back. Now there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of speculation about what that means. I mean, maybe Paul's offering here because maybe, maybe Onesimus has stolen money from Philemon. And so maybe Paul's offering to pay back the, the part, the, the money that uh, Onesimus has stolen. So maybe that's what he's offering here. Some people think that maybe what uh, Paul is offering here is to, is to pay back Philemon for the lost work while Onesimus had run away. And so maybe that's what this is, this is about. Or, or maybe what Paul's offering here is to pay for Onesimus' freedom because uh, as we read earlier, welcome him back as a, as a brother, not as a slave. And he's been, he's been really strongly saying you need to, to uh, offer him his freedom. And so maybe that's what that's about. I don't, I don't really know what it is exactly what he's offering to pay back, but just that pattern is just so incredible. I will do it. I will cover his cost. I will cover what he owes you. I will cover his debt. I will do this. Doesn't that sound a little bit familiar? I mean, doesn't that sound a, a little bit like someone else that we talk about? Someone else who covers our debt, someone else who, who takes our place, someone else who, who covers what it is that we owe? Oh my goodness. I mean, I think about what Paul's offering here, and he is, he is offering to do something that we see Christ himself doing for us. Now, when we sometimes talk about the cross, one of the, one of the things we talk about when we, when we start to speak of the cross is that when Jesus died for us, um, he died as a substitute for us. Theologically, we call that substitutionary atonement, that Jesus took our place, that his death was a substitute for, for our death, and that, and that through him then we, we have new life because what Jesus has done is he's offered himself as a substitute for us. Um, when I was 15 years old at church camp, someone explained that concept to me of substitutionary atonement, that Jesus substituted himself for me, that he covered what I owed and he took it upon himself. And I'd never heard that before. I grew up in church um, and, I, and I knew that Jesus died and people talked to me about that as a kid growing up in church, going up in Sunday school and vacation Bible schools and church camp and, and uh, youth group and all those things. Some people explain that. They say, you know, Jesus loves you, so he died for you. And as a kid, you don't know what that means. And so you just, you nod your head. Okay, yeah, I don't really get why that means. I don't know why he had to die for me if he loved me. But then when I was at church camp, someone took the time to explain to me this idea of substitutionary atonement, that Jesus 
he gave himself as a substitute for me. That, that he is the Lamb of God. Just like in the Old Testament, the lambs were offered as a substitute for, for people to be atoned for in their sins. That this is what, what Jesus has done for me. And, and for the very first time, I understood, oh, this is why he had to die. He is my substitute. He, he took this life upon himself, my life, my debt, my sin upon himself. And so when this happened, when I finally realized this, I mean, I, I understood this new life that was offered to me because this new life that we have through Jesus' death and resurrection, it's not just that we like pray a prayer and we're like, ah, that's good. I got that taken care of. I'm good for the rest of my life. It's, it's more like when we live in this new life through Jesus' death and resurrection is that, is that we begin to live like he does and that we treat other people the way Jesus has treated us, that we give of ourselves in the same way that Jesus has given of himself for us. I think about a really clear passage. We see this in the, in the New Testament, yeah, Philippians chapter two, really, really clear description of how this substitutionary atonement leads to a substitutionary kind of life. Let me show it to you. Philippians chapter two, it's just such a clear teaching. And it's what I think Philemon is really based off of. So Philippians two, starting in verse one, here's how it goes. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, by the way, that word there, common sharing, koinonia, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Listen to this, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. And then listen to the verse five here in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. How would you describe the mindset of Christ Jesus? Well, here's how Paul describes it. It's gonna be a poem. It starts in verse six. Listen to the mindset of Christ Jesus that you and I are called to have. Verse six, this is about Jesus. This is who, Christ, that is. Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I want you to catch this. There was a progression in what we just read. Starts off with Jesus, who is in the very nature of God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. There's this descending kind of way that Jesus humbled himself. This is the mindset of Christ Jesus, that he would humble himself for the sake of others. Now, as he does this, let's keep reading this poem because there's also a way that God flips his humility into being elevated. And so the poem keeps going, verse nine, it says, therefore, because Jesus humbled himself, continually humbled himself, it says, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a pattern here. The mindset of Christ Jesus is he humbles himself. He continually humbles himself. He takes himself less and less and less and less for the sake of others. What God does is he then exalted Jesus one step at a time. It's like Jesus humbled himself and God exalted him. And this is the pattern, the mindset of Christ Jesus. And there is so much that we could say about this poem because like books and books and books and books and books are written about this. But I really just, I just wanted you to catch this pattern. 
that this is the way of the life of Jesus. And so therefore, as the church, as those who belong to the crucified king, we also live in the same way that we humble ourselves and continue to humble ourselves and continue to humble ourselves for the sake of others. So let's make this practical. Let's, let's talk about what this looks like in, in real terms and, and how do we maybe live into this because probably, you know, like, we're, you know, we're not our modern people. We're not like Paul. We're not going to be offering to buy some, some person their, their freedom or we're not going to be crucified like Jesus. So what does this look like in real life to offer ourselves for the sake of others, for the sake of each other as we're talking in this, service, in this uh, series about, about us? So, so two, two kind of lenses here to think about this maybe a bit more practically. Um, first, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but let me tell you the story about how I became a pastor. My, uh, my call story to being a pastor, by the way, it's not impressive. It, there's no like miraculous event that took place. There's no parting of clouds that happened with the voice of God being like, Spencer, thou shalt. You know, God talks to you, King James English, right? <laughs> well, of course, there was nothing like that at all. There was nothing dramatic in the slightest bit for how I decided to become a pastor. And, and I have friends who have really dramatic stories. I wish I had something like that. Mine is just really not impressive. Instead, the reason I became a pastor was when I was in college, I, I started going to this church. I went to college out of state. I started going to this church and um, I, I went there because I liked the music and I liked the preacher. And so I'd come to church, I'd sit in the back row, I'm you know, 20 years old, 21 years old or so. And I'm, I'm going to church and I'm, I'm just, I enjoy the experience. I don't know anybody there. Um, I just kind of found my way there. And, and um, you know, I'd, I'd go and I'd sit by myself in the back. I, I hated the time in the service we had to shake everyone's hand because I didn't like I didn't know anybody. And so I, I went there week after week after week. And, and one Sunday I was I was there a little bit early and I was reading the bulletin because again, I didn't know anybody to talk to. And I this was before iPhones. And so I was actually reading the bulletin back when we printed bulletins, well before COVID. And so I was reading the bulletin and, and there was this advertisement, this announcement in there for people uh, to volunteer with the youth group. So for whatever reason, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. That sounds fun. So I checked my, the box, wrote my name down, put that in the offering later. And I got a phone call from the youth director. He took me out to lunch. He wanted to get to know me. And, and at lunch, he asked me, so like, you know, what do you want to do? And, and I didn't really know how to answer that question. So I said to him, well, I'll just do whatever you need, you know, because I'm, I'm a good Christian. I didn't say the last part, but I was definitely thinking it. I'm a good Christian. So I'm just going to do whatever you need to do. But here's the, here's the thing I didn't know at the time, because it's only 20 or 21, is never say, I'll do whatever you need to do to the youth director. And so what he did is he, he signed me up to, to co-lead the uh, seventh grade boys small group on Sunday nights. And so for Sunday nights, every Sunday night through the school year, I would, I would come and lead a seventh grade boys small group week after week after week for an hour, 60 minutes. They gave us 60 minutes to try to lead these boys through a Bible study. Oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it. I mean, here's how it usually went. 30 minutes of it was usually just throwing things at each other. Um, 10 minutes of it was like teaching the Bible and going through the lesson of the day. And I don't mean that 10 minutes consecutively. I mean like 10 minutes, like the whole hour. You know, you put it all together, cumulative, it's, it's 10 minutes. And then, and then probably another 20 minutes, because I think that's 40. So 20 minutes of the rest of it was probably just wishing the hour was over because you couldn't believe what you were doing. And so I just did this. I did it week after week after week after week on Sunday evenings. And you know what happened to me? It wasn't like this light bulb moment, but it was more like a dimmer switch moment because that's how God moves in my life. It's usually kind of slow. I slowly kind of awaken to things. But I, I came to this conclusion over the course of this year that this is what I want to do with my life. Not I want to lead these seventh grade boys Bible studies, but, but I want to spend my life and invest my life in helping people to grow in the word of God, to teach people the Bible. That's how I came about my calling. 
And so this like this seventh grade boys Bible study, it became this watershed moment in my life where I, I for the very first time as a 20 or 21 year old kid, I, I, for the very first time, I went from being a consumer of the church like I go to church because this is, I'm a, I'm a Christian and this is what, you know, Christians do because I believe in the gospel. And so I went from being a consumer of the church to being the church in the pattern that I see with Jesus. I, I went from being somebody who is receiving the ministries of the church to somebody who is giving my gifts and, and my time and, and what I had to offer to other people. And, and I think this is the pattern of what we see with Philemon. It's like, I'm gonna offer what I have for the sake of someone else. This is what Philippians 2 is. I'm gonna humble myself and give myself for someone else. And, and what happened for me as I went through the course of that year is that, I'll tell you, church became way more interesting to me. And it became way more important because I saw the benefit that I could offer to other people because it was no longer just about me. Here's another way to think about this. There is this um, word in the New Testament. There's 27 books in the New Testament. There's this word in the Greek New Testament that's used 95 times. So it's like a key core word. That's a, a word that's a description of what the Christian life looks like. And it's a word really about how we relate to each other and, and what the church is like and what the happens in the church. And it's just this key, key word that you read throughout the New Testament, just peppered in over and over and over and over again. It's a Greek word, it's the Greek New Testament, so it's a Greek word, alelon, which is usually translated as one another. Let me give you some description, some, some examples of this. 95, so I'm not gonna give you all of them, but 95 times we read um, examples like, like this. So here's a few examples. Uh, Mark chapter nine, verse 50. Be at peace with one another. Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Romans 12, 10 again, honor one another above yourselves. Galatians 5, 13, serve one another in love. Galatians 6, carry one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Colossians 3, 13, bear with one another. 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, encourage one another. 1 Thess Thessalonians 5, 11, build one another up. James 5, 9, don't grumble against one another. James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another. James 5, 16, pray for one another. John 13, 34, love one another. John 13, 35, love one another. John 15, 12, love one another. John 15, 17, love one another. Romans 13, 8, love one another. And there's eight more of those, love one another. So I'll stop, but I think you get the point is that there is this word throughout the New Testament that is used to describe how we are to relate to one another, this all alone, and over and over and over and over again, the picture that we get is that the Christian life is lived when we serve, when we are in a relationship, when we give of ourselves, when, when we get involved and we get to know one another, not when we are just consumers of, of what the church is doing, but rather we are, we are people who are offering our gifts, offering our leadership, building each other up, offering encouragement, using what it is that God has given us, our resources for other people, for other believers, for the work that God is doing in the local church. We see this over and over and over and over and over again. This is the pattern of, of what it means to belong to the church is that we don't belong for ourselves. We belong for one another. God has given you gifts. 
He's given you resources. He's given you time. He's given you abilities to impact other people. And he doesn't want you just to come and sit in the back row and not get to know one another, not be involved, not to seek out people who are on the fringes or maybe don't have um, connections. He, he calls us to love one another, to serve one another, to bear with one another. And this is the pattern that we see over and over and over and over again. And so I think about Paul and Philemon and Onesimus, this relationship that, that's there and that's broken. And Paul's solution to this is really beautiful and really simple. I will do what I can. I will offer myself in his place. I will give of my own resources. I will make this happen because this is how Jesus has treated me. And as Jesus has treated me, this is how I'm gonna treat others. This is how I'm gonna treat my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how I'm gonna treat the church, my, my family, my church family. This is what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give of myself for other people. This is the pattern that we see. And so today, as we, as we think about this, this pattern, this beautiful, beautiful thing that is Jesus has given himself for us, we are called to give ourselves for each other. There's a call to us to, to serve, a call to encourage, a call to pray, a call to use our gifts, our abilities, our time, our resources, a, a call to get involved, a call to sign up when we see announcements and, and just take a step forward, a call to look for people around us who might be lonely or might not have other, other Christians around them, people who might be new, people who might be missing. It's a call to do what we can for the sake of others, just as Jesus has done for us. And so there's this question as we're talking about us, our church family today, what are we aiming for? What are we shooting for in our life together? Well, here it is, it's Jesus. That's what we're shooting for. We wanna be Jesus for one another. We wanna serve one another. We wanna give of ourselves for one another. To use our gifts, our resources, our time for one another. We wanna sacrifice for one another because this is how Jesus has treated us. This is what we're aiming for. We're aiming for Jesus. Let's pray together. And so Father, today we do give you thanks for our church. And more than that, God, we give you thanks that you have bound us together with other believers. You've bound us together to, to grow and to serve each other, bound us together for encouragement, to grow with one another, that you have not wanted us to be alone by ourselves, but God, you've put us in community for koinonia, that, that we might have fellowship, deep fellowship with each other. And there are so many of us, God, who, who may hold the church at arm's length, or, or maybe we just think about what we get out of this instead of what we give and contribute to, to the good of the body. And so God, I pray that you might shake us that to be thinking about how is it that we can be like Jesus for the sake of others? Because what you have done for us, God, we wanna live into this model. We wanna live into this way of life that as followers of Jesus, we give of ourselves for others. We don't wanna just be consumers of the church. We wanna be the church in the pattern of Jesus as we use our gifts, our time, our resources, our finances, our, our abilities for other people. And so God, would you shake us, would you stir us, would you encourage us, would you challenge us? to take deeper uh, steps into fellowship with one another. Give us eyes to see those around us, maybe those we need to reach out to, those we need to, to, to serve, those we need to encourage. And God, may we live in this model that Jesus has given to us. I pray today for anyone who's with us and who doesn't know this love of Christ, the substitute that he has given of himself for us. And so today, in a simple prayer, wherever we may be, we can just simply say, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin? Would you lead my life? as we turn and cross that line of faith to follow you who has given everything that we might have life eternal in Jesus. And so God, today we give you thanks for our church and for one another. You are the center of everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Thanks everybody for being here today. It's been an awesome experience of worship. 
Special thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected and up to date, to the worship team for leading us. We appreciate you, Spencer, for the message. Thanks for inspiring us. And if you know anybody who could benefit, be encouraged from this message, share it on social media. Thanks for doing that. Really excited to tell you that next week we begin Advent, the season of Advent. We have a four-week series called The Tidings of Joy. You'll want to be here for that. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.